This six-month, every other week chemotherapy regent regiment. You know what? What's gonna what's gonna get me through this? And I just quickly decided the way I'm gonna feel good is to make other people feel good. Podcast Junkies, episode 130. Welcome back. I'm Harry Duran, host of said show, also known as the podcaster's voice, because this is the one where we search out interesting voices in podcasting and get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. Kind of like the last episode when we had uh, Gary Leland on, and it was also the three-year anniversary and it was also me messing up the numbering scheme and trying to get fancy and having it be bonus, but then not be a numbered separately. And anyway, uh, podcasters, uh, drama, and any of you who podcast and try to get a little fancy with your episodes know what I'm talking about. Anyway, last one was 129. This one is 130. And it was interesting because as soon as I had that conversation with Gary, I knew I wanted to move it up and have it be representative of the types of conversations I really enjoy having. Just really in-depth, heart-to-heart conversations. And uh, I hope you can check it out. And just, again, just another opportunity for me to thank you for being with me if you have all these years, all these three, (laughs) all these three years. Uh, And if you're new to the show, you know, welcome as well, because we we have a lot of fun on the show. I have a lot of fun. uh, Me and my guests have a lot of fun. And that's the collective we. Um, this week I get to speak to Lee Silverstein, another connection made at PodFest. They just keep growing and growing and growing. He's the host of the Colon Cancer Podcast. And interestingly enough, it's the only podcast that deals specifically with colorectal cancer. He's got an amazing, inspiring story. And he and he created the show to provide survivors, uh, caregivers, and professionals a vehicle to share their stories. And he's doing just an amazing job. Uh, he's just really inspiring and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com slash 130. I don't talk about them a lot. I'll start to mention them more. We get a, a full summary written timestamp so you can see what we talked about in the show, some tweetables as well. So please check those out if you haven't. Our show notes are really in-depth and really pull you into the conversation if you want to take a glance at what we talked about uh, before listening. This episode is brought to you by Sure. Honored to have such a reputable 90-year-old-plus company as Shore, a pioneer in the audio gear market. I'm on a SM7B currently and testing the Motive line as well. So head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash Shore to see the latest setup and see what they've got in the works as well. We are also sponsored by Podbean. One thing that doesn't get talked a lot are the monetization services that Podbean has open to all podcasters. For those of you that are not familiar, there's actually an app that they have, and it allows you to record and publish directly from the app, which I think is pretty cool. And they've also been recently added to Alexa. So from a listener perspective, their app is just continually getting better, and they're always looking at ways to improve the podcaster experience. So don't think of them just as a a hosting company. They're really doing some interesting stuff with their app. And the fact that they're on Alexa, I think, is just showing how much they want to be part of the podcasting landscape. So check them out at podbean.com slash podcast junkies. Make sure you stay till the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. Will you play along? I sure hope so. For now, enjoy my conversation with the inspiring Lee Silverstein. So Lee Silverstein, thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Great to be here. I'm (laughs) really excited to have this opportunity, Harry. I appreciate it. How often do you get to talk podcasting with podcasters on a podcast? You, You did your whole, you just froze up. Sorry. Is that you or? I'm not hearing you at all. That's interesting. Now I can hear you. Yeah, I'm just still I, showing yellow on my end. Why don't we? Why don't we? You want? Can we reconnect? Yeah, we'll reconnect. Let's try that. Okay. Okay. All right, Lee. Take two. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to Podcast Junkies. Thanks so much, Harry. It's um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to chat with you. So my uh, 
so regular listeners know that uh, there's nothing perfect in podcast world. So multiple takes <laughs> are nothing, nothing new, nothing strange. And we like to showcase uh, the warts and the bumps of podcasting because pe- regular podcasters can relate to that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, raise your hand if you've never uh, done the I forgot to hit record uh, routine, right? Uh, if you if you raise your hand, you're lying. So <laughs> uh, and inevitably it's it's with the most high profile clients, right? Oh, of course. Right. That goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you get to talk about the actual like meta of the podcast itself because i know you you know we're going to get into the, the topic of your show specifically but i'm wondering you know outside of like a, an event like podfest um i don't know if do you do you meet regularly with a group where you can just literally talk about the nuts and bolts of podcasting itself absolutely uh the, the chris kermitzos runs the florida podcast association which which meets uh once a month here in tampa and we've all become very good friends as a matter of fact uh, a bunch of us are getting together at one of the local watering holes tomorrow evening and uh, i even posted it in the Podfest group in case uh uh, just to make sure we didn't miss anybody and uh, so we can share a couple of uh, adult beverages and, and just get together and have a good time and talk podcasting, talk life, whatever comes up. So uh, eager to ho- I'm hoping that uh, Neil Galarte and Willie Harper and maybe Chris will also be able to come out as a post-Messenger uh, documentary uh, premiere uh, celebration too because I know they're excited that uh, that that came out uh, with the world premiere last week here in Tampa, and and I know they're eager to be able to uh, take a little break too, and uh, yes. you know have some downtime. So, did you get to go see it? I did. I did. Now you saw yeah. it at uh, Podfest, and you saw it again for the premiere. Is that correct? That's correct. It was there a different footage, or had they made some changes? Totally, totally different. Really? So what we saw at Podfest in Orlando was about a forty-minute rough cut, and you know there was a, it, it, speaking of bumps and warts, it had its share because of some of the extenuating circumstances that were going on behind the scenes, which we all are uh, are aware of. You know, the uh, director Neil Galarte had a personal family emergency and, and those kinds of things. Yes. So that ran about forty minutes. The actual film, which we saw uh, here at the Tampa Theater, ran an hour and six. Wow. So there was a ton more footage, and and I was just really blown away. It was a, so well done. It was beautifully done. Uh, really told everybody's story just first rate, and uh, that group uh, deserved all the accolades that they got. They did a beautiful job. Did it add any additional uh, context to what we saw in, in, in Podfest, or just some maybe some new stories? Uh, there were. I don't, off the top of my head, recall any new stories, Harry. But uh, when I look at, at at my own story, there was a ton more footage included. Uh, my wife was a big part of of the initial interview and what we saw in Orlando. She was not in that footage. Uh, that footage was in the final cut that we saw um, some uh, additional things that uh, they did with some graphics. So each story that uh, was seen in the footage we saw in Orlando was enhanced uh, by by quite a bit, really was. Can you tell me what it feels like to see yourself uh, on the big screen and, and if it, that's something that you've ever experienced before? Um, I'm not something I've ever experienced before. I've been on television, but never quote unquote, the silver screen. And it was a little strange, a little weird. Uh, but you know, just to see yourself uh, up there and, and, and your wife and, but, uh, once you get over the initial shock, um, I, I walked away from it, uh, just feeling very good because they did such a beautiful job telling my story. So, um, Really quickly, for the benefit of the listener, can you just tell the story of, of what the impetus for your show, which is the Colon Cancer Podcast? Certainly. Six years ago, uh, my doctor uh, gave me a gift for my 50th birthday. He didn't wrap it. He didn't put a bow on it, but it was a prescription to go get a colonoscopy, as we all should do when we turn 50. And uh, I went and did as he said. I didn't have any symptoms. And woke up and found out 
about three, four days later that I had stage two colon cancer. And it was quite a bit of a shock because I had no symptoms. But at the same time, uh, I tell people that it wasn't a tremendous shock because I'm also a survivor of childhood cancer and felt that cancer and I would cross paths again sometime in my adult life for no reason, for no reason. There were no statistics, nothing that said what I had as a child leads to things as an adult. It was just kind of, and it wasn't, I don't, I don't want to describe it as a black cloud that I walked around with this worry all my life. I definitely did not, but it was just kind of something I thought, hmm, wonder if this is going to happen down the road and just kind of left it at that. And so I was diagnosed, uh, like I said, at stage two. And then a year and a half later, uh, the week after I came back from my honeymoon, I got the news that the cancer had metastasized. So that took it to a whole other level. And since that time, I've dealt with a few other uh, metastases. So I'm not, uh, I'm not totally disease-free at this point. Uh, but uh, things are very stable, I and mean, you know I feel totally normal, and things are very good. Uh, here we are, six years out. So I happened to attend a podcasters meetup because it was being Chris uh, Kremitzos reached out to me. I was working at a college at the time, and he said we're looking for some meeting space for this meetup we do. Can is there any space at the college? So I said actually there is. And I felt, well, let's be a good host and not just unlock the door and let everybody in, but I should sit in and, and be a host. And just sitting there listening to uh, these podcasters share their stories, people like Katie Kremitzos, who I know you've spoken to, uh, and Steve Cherubini, some of these others. And it just, Harry, it was one of those, I described it as one of those lightning bolt moments where an idea just hits you so hard. And I said, what if I started a podcast where I could interview patients and survivors and caregivers uh, to give people the hope that I needed when I heard those words, you have cancer. So as soon as the meeting ended, I ran over to Katie. She was about six, eight months into her Biz Women Rock show. And I said, Katie, I've got this idea. What do you think? And her eyes got the size of saucers, and all she said was, oh, my God, do it. And that's all I needed to hear three months later, uh, February 2015, was the first episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Did you have any idea what you were getting into? None at all. <laughs> None at all. And did I really think that two years later uh, I'd still be, still be at it? I, one of the, my concerns was, am I going to find enough people to talk to to make this thing last? And uh, here we are two years out, and I'm looking at my whiteboard as I'm talking to you, and I've got six six episodes in the can. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was getting into. That's always a good, that's a, that's always that's a good, a good thing. Yeah. yeah, that's always a good feeling as a podcaster to have those episodes in the can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. I start to twitch when I get to only like two or three. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering, because you specifically, it's the Colon Cancer Podcast. Did you... Was it a conscious decision to to narrow in uh, because maybe there was a lot of other, in your research, maybe you saw that there was a lot of other podcasts that covered the general topic of cancer, or you just felt that since this was something that resonated with you so much that it was going to give you more fuel for, for topics to talk about? Uh, I never at the time gave any consideration of taking it any further than colon cancer because... That's where uh, that was what I knew. Uh, I became very involved in the largest uh, nonprofit colon cancer organization in the U.S., the Colon Cancer Alliance. So uh, they were my form of support throughout my whole journey. Uh, they have like online chat groups that I got very involved in and became uh, what's known as a buddy volunteer. So every now and then I'll get a phone call saying, hey, someone just called our, our patient support line. They're about your age. They have similar diagnosis. Would you mind picking up the phone and giving them a call? And I've been doing that for a couple of years. So this was just a natural kind of next step for me uh, to to be in that you know, continue to provide the support in that area. So I, I envision this Venn diagram of like uh, colon, uh, colon cancer survivors and people who are interested in, in podcasting or maybe people who are blogging. And so 
Did you find like these different worlds were merging and, and did you already have some sense of community because of what you were going through when you were first diagnosed with colon cancer? No doubt. There are big sense of, uh, a big sense of community. Uh, the, uh, the big online community, very active online community, a big uh, private Facebook group with over 8,000 members, wow. um, which is where a lot of my audience obviously comes from. Uh, and then these online chats that I mentioned to you uh, were such a big part of my support. Uh, just you know, uh, you know, an online you know, uh, you know, type type your message kind of chat thing that was Monday through Friday from noon noon to one o'clock, and you know, friendships were formed and bonds were formed, and eventually later on at conferences you finally get to meet some of these people and. Uh, so there really was that, that, that bond, that strong sense of community amongst all of us. And, uh, and they've helped fuel the success of this podcast. So, um, you know, constantly having people reach out to me and say, Hey, I found someone you should talk to. Did you hear this story? This person I think would make a great guess to the point now that I can almost predict the success. That's probably not the right word the uh gauge the quantity of listeners or the the size of listenership based on who the guest is and their interaction and their following online can you tell the story of the first time you realized that the podcast was making an impact that was something that maybe surprised you or, or just where you real where you just maybe had an aha moment that wow this is this is something that's really reaching out uh farther than I thought it might be vividly vividly I received an email from a woman her name is Stacy and she sent me a thank you note and she said I want to let you know that I found your show and my husband, CJ, uh, is battling colon cancer. And we don't miss an episode. And you've given us a lot of hope. And not only that, because we heard you talking about the upcoming annual colon cancer conference, we, uh, we applied for a scholarship so that we could afford to attend. And it was all because of you. And uh, I was so thrilled, and this was in the fall of 2015, that I got to meet Stacy and her mother. Unfortunately, her husband, CJ, was uh, in the hospital at the time, so I didn't get the chance to meet him. But, you know, we found each other and, you know, gave each other a big hug, and, mm-hmm. and I thanked her. And then fast forward a year later to the next conference, I got to meet both her and CJ, wow. which was fantastic, and that was in November and sadly, uh, last month, CJ passed away. Have you ever had or worked on, on something where you, you've had that level uh, of impact before? Never. Yeah. This is a first for me. And what, how, how does that make you feel in terms of like what you're doing because you know we all as podcasters and a lot of times what we're working on we feel like it's you know sometimes we're alone in our house and and we don't know if people are listening and any any type of feedback like the one you got from stacy you know we we treat that stuff like gold and then we really it fuels us and it moves us forward and so i'm I'm wondering like how you think about that in in terms of the show and and if it was something for you where you where you just like had, had had that aha moment that there's the potential for more moments like that in the future. It actually goes back, Harry, to when I started chemo, okay. uh, chemotherapy treatment. So uh, just a little more backstory. My initial diagnosis of the stage two colon cancer, the consensus from my medical team was that I did not need chemo at the time, that surgery would be sufficient. And it wasn't until the cancer metastasized into my liver that I was told, all right, you can't, you can't avoid it this time and you'll have to have liver surgery and have chemotherapy. And I've always lived my life as, you know, one of these more glass half full kind of people anyway. But I started thinking about, all right, how am I going to get through more emotionally than physically this six month every other week? chemotherapy regent regiment you know what what's gonna what's gonna get me through this and i just quickly decided the way i'm gonna feel good 
is to make other people feel good. And I'm going to go out of my way to smile at every one of the nurses that I'm spending a good part of my day with every other week, uh, who just, uh, you know, who my chemo nurses and to joke around and, and to be memorable, uh, so that I can make a difference in their day. And that just kind of, I think that just kind of carried over and stayed with me, uh, and just flowed right into this whole podcast into here's my opportunity to give people hope and inspiration because when you hear those three words harry your mind goes tends to not go to the greatest place and you know obviously and and understandably and i said this was my way to make other people feel good but more importantly to give people hope you know think about the impact when they hear me on the mic saying i was diagnosed six years ago and people when they first hear those words you have cancer like six years I wasn't sure I had six months. Now, I have to be respectful of the fact that, unfortunately, there are people that don't have the six months, okay? But too often, we as a group assume that we're all in that boat, and that's not necessarily the case. So it was just so important for me to say, hey, you know, look at me. Six months, I'm in the gym five days a week. I work a full-time job. Um, This can be you, too. And I hope this is you too. Uh, were you always uh, a, a gym rat? No, no, that's uh, uh, something that uh, I, I picked up probably in the last 15 years or so. Um, and I just realized how good it made me feel physically and emotionally. And uh, let me tell you, um, I, I tell people, I kind of came up with my own little acronym, and I tell people that uh, I'm proud to show my age, and I use age as an acronym, that the A stands for attitude, the G stands for gratitude, and the E stands for exercise. And those three things, my attitude, gratitude, and exercise, have been a huge part of me being able to deal with this experience. Did you come up with that yourself? I did. That's great. I love it. Thank you. What's interesting sometimes uh, when we're we're put in these circumstances that um, really force us to decide how we want to tackle the situation, right? Because someone in 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 your same situation could be the glass half empty type of person, and I would venture to say that part of the reason why it's been six years and why I'm sure it'll be many, many more is because of that attitude. And, and do, do you find that like, and in, 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 I know you've spoken to a lot of people who are going through what you're going through. How, how important is attitude? And when you're going through this a process like this, for me, it's huge. It, it, it's huge. And I believe that it's been a big part of why I've done well. I say that with some apprehension because it's important to me to be incredibly sensitive to understand that everybody and everybody and everybody's situation is different. And I don't want to be too quick to say all you need is a great attitude and everything's going to be fine because I've lost way too many friends who were tremendous beacons of light, had amazing attitudes. But that wasn't enough. So it's worked for me. It's helped me. I think it's helped me physically. Um, I don't know that I could you know, prove that. But I know no doubt um, that it's helped me be mindful of every day that, I, that I'm here and enjoy everything that's come, come my way and, and treat every day like maybe it could be my last, even though I know it's not. Uh, and I know this does take on a bit of a tone of cliche-ishness, if you will, but it works for me. And it's really hard when you've come through cancer to let little things bother you because everyone will tell you uh, how their perspective changes, how their uh, circle changes. One of the earliest interviews I, I did, probably my sixth or seventh interview, the gentleman who I interviewed put it so perfectly. He said, the portrait of your friends and family before cancer will not be the same portrait of your friends and family after. 
And that is so, so true. Um, and that's not tied to attitude, but that, you know, it just, just kind of reinforces the fact that everybody uh, handles these kinds of situations differently. Um, but attitude has been so huge for me. Can you talk a little bit, can you elaborate on that, like how that changed for you? And, and was it something that you were surprised about when it, when it started happening? In terms of, you're talking about ad, like well, attitude? The well, the portrait, this idea of the portrait. Oh, the portrait. Yeah. Oh, this, is, this is a common, common thing. I thought it was just me. Um, but, you know, people all handle adversity and difficulties different ways. And you're always amazed. And I was amazed as there are some people you expect that will be right by your side that aren't. And people you never expected to be by your side that suddenly are there. And ask anybody who's been through through cancer, and I guarantee you they'll all tell you the exact same thing. Some people can't deal. Some people just can't do. And I didn't, again, my attitude, I didn't use that to judge them. That's how people, you know, some people don't know what to say, so they don't say anything. That doesn't, in my eyes, mean that there's not love, that there's not thought. Is there disappointment on, you know, on, on our side, the, us, the cancer patient? Yeah, we're going to be a little disappointed. Um, but everybody handles these things different. You know? How much of it is related to how you were raised? Because you mentioned earlier that you have always been a, a glass half full kind of guy. And is, is that the case for most of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Where, I have been. Where does that come from? I'm not sure where that comes from. <laughs> That's not the boy. That was, I had the, had the perfect opening to come up with that textbook answer. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to change my answer to your question. No, I wasn't. I know that I wasn't always that way. That became more a, a part of me in in hindsight as an adult. Um as a child, uh there was a big lack of self-confidence and and that impacted and that came from a lot of from really from two places. Number one was from being, you know, having cancer as a child. And, you know, I, and I didn't really get it, Harry, until I became a parent, mm. what that impact had to be on my parents to hear your five-year-old, your son, your firstborn has cancer yeah. and, 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 you know, the devastation and, and how that impacts how you'll be raised. Um, and I think I was raised a bit more protective than most people, protected than most people for obvious reasons. If I was in my parents' shoes, I'm sure I would have done the same. So a combination of that, and we were a family that moved fairly often. Uh, my father had a successful career that took him to many different cities. So that and, quote-unquote, being the new kid uh, did impede, did have an impact on my self-confidence that I didn't really overcome until I became a young adult. Uh, it's, inter so, it's interesting how some of the, the – topics when when i have guests on they they just trigger other thoughts um and i don't think i've ever mentioned on the show but uh i had an older sister that passed away um she died from leukemia and wow. she would have been i'm 46 she probably would have been about 52 at this point and so she, but she passed away when she was nine years old so yeah i always think about like wow. that idea of like what parents go through when they when they get that news which i'm which i'm sure is something my parents uh, struggled with, and uh, there's a picture of me with her. So I, I, I you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, we were alive at the same time. But I, I literally do not remember, or do not have any memories of her. So, mm. um, you know, for that to happen, it's just a transformational uh, event in in the eyes of of parents, and I and I imagine it it, it like colors a, a lot of like how how they think about it and how they, you know, if. You know, in your case, everything worked out well, and how they they raise their child. But it has to—it's something that they carry with them for the rest of their lives. Oh, I'm sure. And someone recently asked me, uh, and I think it was on another podcast, "Do I have memories of all that went on when I uh, was dealing with cancer as a five-year-old?" And vividly, 
vividly. Really? Uh, absolutely, I do. What, 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 what's one of the memories that pops into your mind? Uh, the hospital we lived in Maryland at the time was a Catholic hospital. So I remember all the nuns fussing over me as a five-year-old boy and, uh, and, and, and taking great care of me. Um, uh, my mother, who didn't work, uh, would be with me most of the day. And then when my father got off work, they would uh, trade places because I had a younger sister at the time. Uh, I was five, so uh, my sister was two and a half at the time. So we had family members or friends watching my sister. So my mother would go home and be with her. My father would come in and and be with me in the evening until it was time for me to, you know, for lights out, so to speak. So I have very vivid memories of some amazing nuns that looked over, that looked after this little Jewish boy uh, who had uh, had his kidney removed and was uh, going through cancer treatments. What's uh, your fondest memory of a, of a TV show? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Wednesday nights, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody was bringing me Batman uh, toys, and uh, yeah, never miss Batman. Seven thirty Wednesday nights. <laughs> same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, was there a, a point because of what you had gone through that you know th- that maybe you found early on that people look to you for inspiration? No. No. Or, no, not at all. It's interesting because I think sometimes when people, you know, they see you um as as someone who they can can call a survivor um and and I'm wondering if there was any conversations you had at that at that time when you went through it that maybe people had gone through the same thing or maybe now that you're having this podcast people bring up that story of of a memory that they went through or that, or that a child went through? Because I think they all, they all want to be able to relate, right? And since you actually went through something like that at an early age, I'm wondering if that just elicits uh, the beginning of that conversation in some people. Only once. I, I was fortunate by a fluke. I, um, through social media on Twitter, I came across uh, a gentleman who uh, was talking about surviving colon cancer and he was overseas. He was in the UK. So in the UK, they use the term bowel cancer. So, And what caught my eye about his story, a guy by the name of Greg Trout, was he created this website called the Anti-Bucket List, 101 Things to Do When You Survive. Mm. And I found the website and it was just blown away. And this guy was doing all these bucket list, quote unquote, type things now that he beat bowel cancer. I was like, I got to get this guy on my show. <laughs> and it took a while to get a response from him. He's obviously, I see, I see, and there's all these video clips. So I see a video of him flying from England to Buenos Aires to do the tango and wow. going to Australia to learn how to surf and going to New Zealand to do the haka dance and all over the world doing all these cool things and mountains and deserts and all this amazing stuff. I said, I've got to talk to this guy. So finally got Greg and I connected. He said, yes, I'd love to be on your show. I'm preparing for the interview. I go back to his website and I see this picture of him in a hospital as a child. And I missed this the first time. And it says two time cancer survivor, Greg Trout. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I missed this. Harry, as I look at it, he had the same cancer I had as a child, wow. which is a rare cancer, by the way, something called the Wilms tumor, and he had the colon cancer. So not only was this someone who had the same two kinds of cancers that I had, he is the first adult that I've ever talked to that, just, that had the same cancer I had as a kid, let alone to have both. Yeah. So what an incredible connection there was there. And talk about someone that got it and understood it. I mean, there it is, and uh, it's still to this day my you know it's like your kids. You shouldn't pick a favorite, right? But <laughs> certainly, that was my favorite episode. <laughs> As you started thinking about who you wanted on the show, did you were you just open to all conversations on the topic, or were you trying to figure out if you wanted a balance between people who were survivors and then people who were either advocates or or doctors who could talk about maybe some of the, the, the new treatments that are coming up to help uh, uh, improve the life of, of uh, survivors? Uh, I wanted to mix it up, and I still that still is my, my goal. Um, and look, is, and I say this often too, 
you know, if you're being, if you're able to call yourself a, a survivor uh, or even a patient, and you're here to talk, you, you certainly have a story worth telling. But I want to keep it uh, informative and uh, keep my audience engaged. They come to me with topics that they'd like covered, things like medical marijuana, hmm. new new testing, clinical trials. Uh, here we are two years in, someone uh, last week gave me a topic uh, that I read about online but just didn't register that I should find someone to talk to this about, and that is uh, sex and relationships hmm. and what that's like you know, and how does body image, particularly for women, impact being able to have physical relationships. Some of, because we're talking about things like colon cancer, or a, a good chunk of my listeners have an ostomy bag and that creates uh, its own set of, 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 of challenges that we have to figure out how to, how to manage through. So here I have one of my uh, uh, former guests said, send me an email. You've got to talk to this woman. She's an expert on this topic. This is perfect for your audience. So I really do try to mix it up and, and, um, you know, help, uh, you know, keep the audience engaged and give them new information. How much of it is, uh, personal curiosity or just, uh, just a curious curiosity on your part where you're scratching your own itch, so to speak. And, and you're trying to understand as much research as you've done and, and as educated as you are about, what you've gone through and what you're going through, like, like what, what is it that you don't know or what is it that's out there and, and, and what is it that the future actually holds? It's, it's also a little bit of both. So I try to be an audience member myself and say, what do I, what would, if, 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 if I wasn't the host of the show, what would motivate me to want to listen? What would I want to hear? And, uh, and I use Google alerts as a way to find some of these great topics too. Uh, you know, I found a guy whose story was posted that now that he beat colon cancer, he's uh, about to embark on a, a trip to climb Mount Everest. Wow. Well, that's a different story. And then as I would certainly want to hear about that. And and I'm able, because of my uh, participation in our Facebook group and the all different online forums, to see the questions that are being asked and then go see if I can go find someone can answer these questions that are being asked so if it's my itch i know it's my audience's itch as well and uh you know we're killing two birds with one stone i guess because of your your position as the the podcaster on this topic you've in some ways become you know the subject matter expert you know you're learning as all podcasters know them if you talk to enough people on a certain topic uh, even if it's something that you, 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 in your, in your case, you have experienced it, but in other cases, you know, people start off from zero and just by virtue of having seven, you know, 70, 80, 100, 100, 200 episodes, you start to learn a lot and you start to learn the ins and outs and, and be able to speak intelligently about this. Um, is this something that's inherent in your, in your background in previous jobs? Like, were you always like trying to learn as much as possible about a topic or is this just something because it's hit so close to home that you felt you wanted to dive in with both feet? It's more because it hits closer to home. And I'll tell you that I am a patient. I'm not, I'm not ready to call myself a quote unquote uh, survivor yet. I guess if you're a patient, you obviously are a survivor. So I don't want any of my audience to get mad at me if they hear this and say, wait, we're all survivors. Yes, we absolutely are. But uh, the cancer community has gotten away from the, the word um, uh, cure or remission. And the, the term used today is an acronym of NED, which stands for no evidence of disease. And after your NED for five years, then they may throw out the cure word. So I am not in the NED stage. Uh, I've got some minor issues. Uh, I've got a little bit, little uh, lump sitting there in my lung that's just kind of sitting there, not bothering me, and not big enough to even worry my doctors at this point. And I've had a few before that we've treated. So being a active patient gives, I think, even allows me a different perspective than if I had been cured 10 years because I'm eager to learn from my own health and my own well-being. So if I find someone about clinical trials, one of the things that I have to be careful of as a podcaster is to not 
make the interview about me getting the answers for me. Mm. I still need to have the voice of my audience as my, my main focus. And sometimes that's really hard. I want to start asking questions about my, you know, what I saw in my last report from the radiologist and they're like, oh, no, that's not appropriate for this forum. But I think that my audience has an appreciation because I can sign on to an episode and I usually will do this as part of my intro. I, I'll give an update on my own health. Hey, I saw the doctor this week and here's what's going on with me or I've got a scan coming up next week and uh, I'm, I'm now count me in with the rest of you. I'm in the Scanxiety Club for the next week or so. So bear with me. And, and I think that gives me a whole different perspective and a different approach than if uh, this was something that I used to have. If that makes sense. Well, it totally makes sense. And I, I, I just love the fact that you are, it's so, it, it's so obvious that you're cognizant of the fact that you're doing the show for the listeners and everything, you know, from, like you said, the way you described your intro to the nature of the people that you bring on the show. It's just, there's no way you cannot think about the people who are listening when you, every time you do, you know, you get behind that microphone. And it's just something that, that resonates with me as a podcaster. And I think for anyone who's listening who podcast that we can't ever lose sight of who we're doing the show for, you know, because without the listeners, we, you know, we, we, we wouldn't have this and it would just be us, you know, recording ourselves and uh, we might as well just talk into our iPhone or just keep a journal. Um, but the minute we decide we want to make this public, I think we, we pull in that, that third person, if you're having an interview, it's you and, and, and the, and the guest, And then the, the listener's always there, you know, virtually like listening in to what you're saying. And I think to never lose sight of that fact as a podcaster is so important. Um, and I'm just really happy that, that you, you, that you do that on a consistent basis. And it, it doesn't seem like there's any way you, you wouldn't do that. Well, and it impacts like every little thing that I do, even behind the scenes with my show, Harry. So I'm fortunate. I've got, uh, I've got sponsors. Yeah. But I have a responsibility to my audience as to who I have as sponsors. I can't just pick, you know, some random company to sell quote unquote stuff on my show. That's to me is being disrespectful to my audience. So every one of the four sponsors that I've dealt with all provide products and services that are beneficial to the people listening to my show. And that will never change. When you know, when did it, you when did you get the the first sponsor on board? Uh, a year into my show. Okay. Can you talk about how that happened? Because I know there's a lot of podcasters who are always curious about uh, that process. Sure, um, it was through one of my listeners. Okay. Believe it or not, so one of my listeners uh, was talking to me about a product, uh, and it's a company that makes a drink like uh, sport, like the popular sports drinks. Only theirs is targeted to people who are having trouble staying hydrated because they have to wear an ostomy bag or they're going through chemotherapy, which often can leave you dehydrated. So they make it specifically for that audience. And one of, uh, one of the folks that I interviewed for my show uh, was talking a lot about the product. He connected with the owner of the company who sent me his business card and a bunch of samples. And I reached out to him and said, uh, we should talk. You know, I've got your audience, and uh, here we are over a year later, and he's still, uh, he's still uh, sponsoring the show. Yeah, it's so great. Like when, the, uh, when, when the sponsor is so connected um, to the audience and the, and, and the podcaster recognizes that this sponsor is adding value, it, you get, I mean, you, you have no problem talking about it because you know exactly what it is that they're doing and what it is, the benefit that they can provide for your audience. And I think a lot of times people are so eager to, to try to monetize their show that they look for sponsors that they force themselves into that, into that relationship and it's not a fit. And you can usually tell when they're dialing it in on the reads, but uh, I'm sure, um, as, as you, you're always cognizant of the fact that because it's such a, a, a sensitive topic that the last thing you want to do is, is put something in front of your listeners where you're not exactly clear on the value or it's someone or it's something that you haven't tried. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, people have asked me, 
uh, you know, have I tried to use an email list to, you know, to get, you know, people that I could reach out to. And, and I'm sure there's a good reason why I should. And maybe down the road, I'll kick myself for not having done it sooner. But again, I'm, I have to be very sensitive to who my audience is and, and, and always have their interests above all other, all else. And I'm sure they respect you for that as well. I hope so. <laughs> Can you tell me about the the journey uh, from the moment you started the podcast to now in terms of you, how you've grown as a podcast host? Um, yeah. I, you know, when I first conceived of the idea, you know, I needed to ask a few people. Uh, I, I needed that validation, you know, that validation that I mentioned that I got from Katie um, I, I tried to elicit the support of the Colon Cancer Alliance, who initially didn't quite get what I was doing. I said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And I just dove in. And uh, and it, it hit me at PodFest this year. Someone who I met at PodFest the year before, who I don't know very well, walked up to me and said, can I just tell you something? You have a lot more spring in your step this podcast than you did last time. Hmm. And that floored me because I was telling myself how much more confident I felt as a podcaster at PodFest in 2017 than I did at 2016. Even in 2016, I was there a year. This time I felt like I belonged. And, you know, I was fortunate enough and, and honored to ask to be one of the keynote speakers but I felt like I had the confidence. I felt like I belonged and I was answering questions of new podcasters and taking people by the hand and saying, here's somebody you should meet who can help you with what it is you're asking. And I was the one being introduced a year ago. So I'm able to see that evolution in myself and, and it certainly feels good. It certainly feels good. Uh, and it just validates just what a wonderful community uh, uh, the podcast community is. Uh, you know that willingness to collaborate, to help. Uh, we check our egos at the door, most of us, and um, and just how I felt at Podfest here in February 2017 versus Podfest in February 2016. I feel like a whole different person. Have you ever had that experience before with with a community? Because I know there's I've I've talked to people who um, have been to other types of conferences that are that are not podcasting related, and I've been to some myself uh, because when I was in my corporate job, I would go to software conferences. But for me, there's something different about a podcasting conference. And for the for the several that I've been, I've been to Podcast Movement, I've been to Podfest, uh, NMX. It's just this sense of your of your tribe, and and I'm wondering if if that's something you've you felt as well, and if you've felt that before. Um, I have felt that in other events um, here in the Tampa area that uh, that Chris Kremitzas has been a part of. Yeah. Um, there aren't a lot of people, and I've known Chris now for about seven years, that I can just go with blind faith and even tell other people, who's putting the event on? Some guy named Chris, all I have to say is, go. I promise you won't be disappointed. Uh, he has that golden touch when it comes to building community. And he doesn't allow people to be part of any of his communities if they walk in with an agenda or with an ego. Um, And, you know, I heard some post PodFest feedback, you know, almost every podcaster that was there did a podcast about PodFest. And there was some feedback, oh, there should have been more famous guests and more big name guests. And not if that meant that that was going to change the community dynamic of the event. And I think that's what made PodFest uh, special. It's re- it was really interesting because, like I said, I've been to other even podcasting conferences, and just that you know that whole gratitude ceremony at the end of the the last day it just blew me away. And everyone there was a line of people just waiting to get up there, and even for just a minute, just mention one or two people that had impacted them just in the past three days. And I think uh, he's ac- actively stated that he doesn't want any big names there and and that's not the type of conference it is and i think it's it's a, a testament to who he is and who they are um as as organizers and john dennis as well that you know they want to maintain the integrity of what it is that they're building there you know this community that you've got to you've had the chance to experience 
uh, for some time now. Not so, it, it seems like it's, it's opening up to more and more podcasters are finding out just how special it is. It is. And it's not that they don't want big names, but the requirement was is if you're going to come and you're going to present, you need to stay and interact with the rest of the community for the entire event. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think that's what made it, you know, made it, uh, I think that was the deal breaker for the quote unquote bigger names because they didn't want to interact with the community. Yeah. And that was running counter to what Chris and John wanted to do. And I admire them for that. I'd love to, you know, have the chance to interact with some of the bigger names, but they're, they, will need to want to interact with us too, right? <laughs> I don't want someone's going to come in, talk about their show, and then catch the next plane out. That's yeah. not the dynamic of what we're doing with uh, the PodFest Multimedia Expo. I will say to uh, to Mark Maron's credit, at Pod uh, Podcast Movement, not last year, the year before, he showed up, um, I think the night before, stayed for his talk, and then he was there at the evening event, in a strange, like uh, his, his 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 trademark flannel cut off, his flannel short sleeve shirt, and his he was wearing jean shorts, torn ripped jean shorts of all, and, okay, and, and flip flops. It was so bizarre. <laughs> but to his credit, he was at the evening event, and he was okay. just super generous, and people were taking pictures left and right with him. And that's uh, fantastic. He, they don't get much bigger in terms of podcasters than than him but um of course yeah. But yeah people like that i think uh people have a, a much more national appreciation for because this idea that you have this connection with someone on a podcast you're really fans of them and then the last thing you want to happen is to sort of have this disappointment when you meet them in real per- in real life and you're like oh i, I kind of thought you were this way and you know as a as a podcast that's the last thing we want to do yeah no question and it's funny too i had an interesting experience happen to me you know, in our society, I don't know if it's a, if, if, if it's a American thing or what, but people that are visible in any media outlet, and I say visible, that means audio too, you know, you and I or, you know, TV or whatever, just because we are using some form of media to get our message out, how people perceive us. And I was interviewing a guest recently who said, I, well, actually, I was at that first colon cancer conference you were at. I said, oh, I'm sorry I didn't get to meet you. Well, you were kind of busy and you're kind of a celebrity. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, really? I mean, come on. You know, uh, and this was this wasn't the conference this past November. This was a year. I had only been podcasting barely a year and a half. And the, here's a person who you know says, oh, you're a celebrity. I didn't want to say hello to you. I was like, oh. God help me. Uh, I can, so, you know, you imagine how people feel when the, the Mark Marins of the world show up. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as you think about um, the plan, you mentioned you've got uh, several episodes in the, in the can already. What, what has got you excited and, and how do you think about the show? Because um, you've had success because of the, you know, the guests you had and the conversations you had. Do you think about changing anything or do you think um, – more of the same, or are you looking for opportunities to do something different as you think about the upcoming year? My goal for the upcoming year is to launch the Cancer Radio Network. I want to take this bigger than just the Colon Cancer podcast. And as I search the iTunes to look for who else is out there telling the human side of cancer in the other you know, areas of diagnosis, whether it's, you know, breast cancer, pancreatic, whatever it might be. And the answer is nobody. There's nobody doing it. So there's a, there's gotta be a huge need out there. There's one organization, there's a fantastic organization, uh, a nonprofit called Stupid Cancer, founded by a guy by the name of Matthew Zachary, who is a uh, young adult survivor of brain cancer. And he started this organization. And they, launched, they started a podcast as part of what they do many years ago. But their focus is people who've been touched by cancer all under the age of 40. Hmm. So they're not disease-specific like I am, and they're only targeting people under the age of 40. So there's a huge need out there. And I envision my goal this year is to uh, at least have a second, if not a third show under the umbrella of the Cancer Radio Network, not necessarily hosted by me, um, but under that that uh, moniker, and we've got the website and it is up, uh, the Cancer Radio Network, 
and where people can come on and say, all right, which is the kind of cancer you're dealing with? And we have, you know, stories of patients, survivors, and caregivers, just like we've done with the colon cancer podcast. I imagine so that's get, my goal. I imagine you're getting some guidance from uh, previous guest, Glenn the Geek. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> uh, he said to me, he said to me at PodFest in two years ago, you need to launch a network. And I said, what's a network? <laughs> So here we are. What's what's so interesting is Glenn is another one of those guys that's so giving, um, and he, he's so generous with his time. Uh, he's he was just everyone that went, during that gratitude ceremony, a lot of people were calling out Glenn, and he I think he just understands this power of of like uh, he almost knows what you're capable of before you even know it because he's he can see like several steps ahead and he, he saw what you were doing and and I know that he's had that same conversation with several people about starting other networks and uh, I, I just it's a testament to him and and it's great that it motivated you to even think about that because I imagine at the time you're like wait I got my hands full with just one show I can't even imagine like, like trying to run a network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's he has definitely been one of my mentors. And what makes Glenn special about what he does is, yes, he's very giving of his of his time, but he expects you to carry your end of the bargain. Yeah. And he has told many people, come back to me when you're at point A or B, because you've not done what you need to do yet. And uh, I invited myself to go up and visit Glenn uh, early in uh, February and sit in on one of his Friday shows. And he said, of course, love to have you. And as we were chatting over lunch, he said, you realized that I checked out your show before agreeing to have you up. I just want to make sure (laughs) you you weren't taking the foot off the gas, because if I found you had taken the foot off the gas, I would have said, "Uh, you're welcome to come up and visit after I see you get back on the on the horse, so to speak, no yeah, pun intended, yeah. uh, and be consistent. So he looks and he checks, and that's what makes him such a great mentor is he holds the people he's helping accountable for doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, kudos to him. That's episode Absolutely. Uh, one, 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 five. Um, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? I've changed my mind that one person can make a difference in this world. With all that's going on in the world, and I'm, I'm not even going to try or even venture to go political, uh, many people are throwing their hands up in the air mm-hmm. over things out of their control. And you know what? I can't control a lot of these things e- either, but I can make one person feel good. I can give one person at a time hope. I can give one person inspiration. And that's kind of my way of counteracting some of the negativity that's ha- that we're dealing with in our country right now. I can make a difference, and that's all I can do. And if you'd asked me five years ago, six years ago, you know, do you feel like you could make it do something to make a difference in the world? Um, my answer would have been no, but I, I feel otherwise now. I think that's so powerful because I think a lot of times people feel helpless. You know, they feel like they, what can they do? Like they're just a, you know, a a slave to the actions that are happening and and things that are out of their control. And I think what they forget is that by little actions, you know, taken day over day and, and like you said, impacting one person's life, it can have this just really chain reaction. Um, and over a period of time, you can realize it wasn't just that one person. It was everyone that person's connected to and the doors that that opened for you and, 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 and to be in a position where you, where you are now, I think you've, you, you, you've clearly seen that. Um, and, and that can serve an ex- as an example to other people too, who think that like, oh, I'm just one person. What, what can I do? One person can make a huge difference. And I just read the emails that I get and I don't, I don't get a lot. But the ones I get are just so moving and so powerful um, that if I ever have a moment of doubt, I just need to take a quick look and go, oh, that's right. That's right. Making a difference. What's the one most misunderstood thing about you? I don't know that I'm misunderstood. I'm not misunderstood. I wear I wear everything on my sleeve. I am, I am not a secret keeper. Uh, I put my life out there. 
Uh, other people said, you know, do you, you know, do you really want people to know that you have cancer? And well, you know, what if you know work finds out? Or mm. you know what? If someone can be motivated or inspired by what I do and who I am, that's more important than anything else. So I don't people who know me and my and my circle of friends or anybody that's met me. I'm pretty confident that they say positive things. That they say he's a good guy, and um, you know, and, and even more so since I've experienced what I've experienced, I've gone so out of my way to to never be judgmental, uh, to not make assumptions, um, you know, about anything. Because every time I do, I wind up I'm, I'm proven wrong anyway. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I, my, my life's an open book, and and I don't think uh, people do misunderstand me at all. Well, that's a great answer because it, what you see is what you get, right? <laughs> it is. It really is. And I think it, it's a te- it really it, it's, it's, it's it's really an important point because a lot of times people feel like they need to have a persona that's on the air and a persona that's off the air and a per- and a persona that, that's at home and a persona that when they're on stage and and I think. Uh, to the extent that you can have and be consistent with who you are, you know, people always know what they're getting with you. Uh, and I, I believe that that that's true for me, and and uh, and my wife would echo that too. <laughs> well, Lee, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I, I was excited to hear just a little bit more about your story. Your energy at the podcast was really uh, con- contagious. And uh, it's it's just a testament to that community that's being built. And it's it's I think that whole Florida contingent is so strong. It's probably one of the strongest podcasting communities I've seen. And the connection that you all have with each other, it's just something that even though I'm on the other side of the country, I just feel like I want to be a part of and I'm like super excited to get a chance to reconnect with you guys um, at PodFest 2018 as well. Can't wait. Can't wait. And I really enjoyed the opportunity to be part of the uh, podcast junkies community. <laughs> well, there's so many people that are going to be uh, excited to to hear your story, and I think motivated too, because we all we all do podcasting for for get into podcasting for different reasons. And I think because you had a story to tell, and because you felt that the story was so important that it needed to get out to a broader audience. And you put yourself on this stage. Now these other things are happening. Now you're talking about a network. Now you're having people reaching out to you saying that your message is impacting them. And then people hearing that, it, again, it's, it has this chain reaction. You know, because people will hear this conversation and they'll say, well, wow, you know, I was on the fence, but now that I heard Lee, I think that, that there's, there's a story that's inside of me that I need to tell. And, and I'm sure maybe you even have those conversations in person with people. Certainly, certainly. I got a Facebook message. I'm having a conversation tomorrow afternoon. A woman reached out to me. She said, I heard your show. I'm a 12-year breast cancer survivor. I want to talk to you about podcasting. There you go. I mean, there you have it. There you have it. Sounds like a new show for the network. Could be. (laughs) Where's the best place for folks to track you down online? Uh, uh, They can find me at thecolancancerpodcast.com or thecancerradionetwork.com. And you can find me on Twitter at cancerradionet. Uh, I play a lot on Twitter as well. Very cool. Thanks again and and looking forward to to staying in touch. Me too, Harry. Thank you. Inspiring indeed. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lee. I remember when I saw him in the Messengers documentary when I was at PodFest in Florida earlier this year. And tons of stories in there, so many that are inspiring. But it was just a a reminder of the, the type of connections we're making and how um, something that can be seen as a challenging moment has been turned around and transformed into a vehicle that actually is going to help a lot of people. He's gotten so many good stories and so much good feedback from just having the podcast. And now that he's working on the network, I think uh, there's just nothing but good things that are going to happen. And it just all came out of, out of him wanting to start his show, getting inspired by uh, Katie and he's just off and running from there. So I'm I'm really excited to see how that turns out and maybe we can have a check-in with him in about a year's time. We are a member of Podcastica. Head on over to podcastica.com for our list of complete shows, intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget our episode sponsors, Shore. Uh, You can check out more details at podcastjunkies.com slash Shore and Podbean at podbean.com slash podcastjunkies. So if you made it this far, no doubt you are in for the 
retention hashtag. We'll go with uh, Survivor Lee, one word, S-U-R-V-I-V-O-R-L-E-E. And you can tag uh, Lee at Cancer Radio Net, one word, and myself at podcast underscore junkies. If you haven't already, you can download a updated tool. We, we had a tool when we started called Eight Tools to Skyrocket Your Podcast Production. And it was uh, a couple of months ago I realized how uh, old it was. <laughs> There's a lot of new tools that we're using. And I refreshed it, and it's now available for free. Check it out, podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools, eight, uh, the number eight, so the number eight, T-O-O-L-S. Uh, and you can download that for free. Tune in next week to hear my conversation with Z Holly. Z and I met because I, I did a podcasting course at General Assembly. It's um, a co-working space here in Los Angeles. And she was uh, one of my students and she kept at it. And I'm proud to say that, that the result of that was the, the launch of her show, The Art of Manufacturing. So we'll talk about that and an interesting conversation she had with um, a very famous and controversial um, manufacturer who you may have heard on uh, Gimlet's startup as well. So maybe you can figure that out ahead of time. Thanks again for all you do for the show. I love your support. I love you. We'll talk next week.